0: Welcome to the Letters to the Beloved podcast. I'm Jake Spencer, the pastor of Grace Chapel, Knoxville, and we are thrilled that you are joining us today. You are listening to the audio from a video series that myself and other members of our church family record each week as we walk through God's word together. Our hope is that the living word of God would come alive in your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at GracechapelNoxville.net. May you be blessed and encouraged today. And now beloved, welcome to the conversation. Hey friends, thanks for joining me today. It's great to be with you guys. We're jumping into the book of Mark this week. And I wanna to talk to you about a theme that comes up over and over again as Jesus is teaching, preaching, healing, casting out demons. Um, His words and his actions are declaring something miraculous is happening. Something incredible has entered this world. And if nothing else can be taken away from the life of Jesus, um, it's that we can't ignore him. Something significant is happening. And we have, to, we have to imagine ourselves. I want to encourage you to do this. As you read through the Gospels, travel back in time. Don't sit on this side of history and go, oh, these are interesting stories about this guy, Jesus, who we know and believe to be the Son of God. Imagine this man shows up in your life and he begins to say things that shake you to your core. He begins to do things that are just they're not just awe-inspiring, at times they're almost frightening. Um, the power that he has over, uh, over the world itself, over nature. He's calming storms, he's walking on water. Um, he's healing the sick, raising the dead. He's casting out demons. Um, and then he's speaking these words that at once are life-giving, welcoming and encouraging and yet incredibly challenging. In the midst of this context, I want you to hear this message this morning because it is essential for us, as followers of Jesus, to remember the gospel and the power of that gospel to challenge us and change us if we'll let it. And so, three times in succession, in Mark chapter eight, In Mark chapter nine and in Mark chapter 10, Jesus begins to tell his disciples clearly and directly that I am going to be tried by the scribes, the Pharisees, the elders. I'm gonna be handed over to the Gentiles and I will be killed. And three days later, I will rise again. You can check that out in Mark 8, 31 through 32. Mark 9, 30 and 32 and Mark 10, 32 through 34. He lays out the same plan. Now, what's interesting is as he's saying this, this is while he's on his way towards Jerusalem. And so he started out in the far north near Caesarea Philippi is the first time that he says it. And then they move south and he's traveling through Galilee now. And in Galilee chapter nine, he repeats it again. And then in chapter 10, they're nearing Jerusalem. In fact, they're getting ready for what we call the triumphal entry where he rides into Jerusalem on the donkey a week before he's crucified. And in each of these three stops as he's moving closer and closer to the climax of why he came to be crucified and to rise again, he's telling the disciples, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Now friends, here's what's interesting about this. And I think it's easy for us to To Again, to distance ourselves from certain people in Scripture. It's easy to distance ourselves, remove ourselves from the story. Um, But the disciples do something that we would all think, surely I wouldn't do that. Um, But they either contradict or ignore what he's saying. And so the first time in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, when Jesus first announces this to them, Peter rebukes him. And pulls him to the side and says, stop talking like that. That's not what's going to happen. You shouldn't die. And Jesus has to confront Peter and say, no, stop it. Then in chapter 9, as Jesus is once again for the second time telling them what's about to happen, they continue walking on the road and the disciples start having a conversation about who is the greatest among them their leader says, I'm gonna lay down my life and die. And it sparks a conversation among them, who's the greatest among us? And when Jesus hears this murmuring, he says, hey guys, what are y'all talking about on the road? And they're embarrassed and they don't answer it. And then he says to them, guys, the greatest among you is the one who is the servant of all. And then we move into the third time. Now they're approaching Jerusalem. And in chapter 10, again, he's told them, I'm gonna die for, for you. I'm gonna die, my life is gonna be given up and I'm gonna rise again. And now, James and John come to him and upon hearing this for the third time and now they're right there at Jerusalem and he's been telling them this is coming, what do they do? Do they, they say, how can we help you? Or Jesus, you know, don't do that. No, no, they come to him and say, hey, when you're the king, Can we have the best seats? Can we be on your right hand and your left hand? (laughs) This is their reaction to hearing that Jesus is gonna give his life for them. They're thinking about how do we benefit? Sure, Jesus, this is gonna cost you something. You're gonna die. I don't even really know if I'm fully letting that sink in, but I do believe you're the king. And so how's that gonna benefit me? How is your death and your resurrected life and your kingdom gonna benefit me. And friends, if we're honest with ourselves, we might not speak in those direct terms, but I think for many of us, our walk with Jesus tends to be more about what's in it for me than simply looking to the king and listening to his words and his direction. And so as Jesus talks in chapter 10 now with James and John and says, listen, guys, I'm about to, to drink from this cup. I'm about to be baptized into death. Is there, that a road you're willing to walk? And of course they say, sure, we can handle that. And he has this whole dialogue with them. When the other 10 disciples find out what those two said, they're not mad at them for asking for the best seats. They're annoyed that James and John beat them to the punch. They wish they had been the ones to think, to ask for those seats. And then Jesus gathers them all once again. I want you to hear these words. This is verses 42 through 45. Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. He says, you know this firsthand. You guys are currently... Um, enslaved the Romans. They're the ones in charge and ruling things. And the way they operate is when they're in charge, they think about how things benefit them and how others work towards their benefit. Verse 43, But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, speaking about Himself, came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, friends, as my followers, you need to understand who I am and what I'm about. I don't come as a king to see how that's going to benefit me. I come in all this power that's been on display. I use my authority to lay down my life as a ransom for many. And now, friends, I'm encouraging you, think like that. Think like a servant, not as the person to be served. This is the mentality he invites his disciples to consider. And friends, I want to encourage you, take some reflection and consider, have I been positioning my life in Jesus in the place of A servant? Am I considering his death and resurrection and what he intended that to be for me? Not how I can benefit, not how I can enjoy some beautiful life that he's arranged for me, but Jesus, you're the king, I'm your follower. What would it look like for me to let your cross truly penetrate my life? See, when Jesus started all of this, in all three of these passages, the first thing he said to them after Peter was contradicting him was something of utmost importance, friends, and I want to I leave you with this today. He said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Friends, I don't know if we've truly considered the power of the gospel message, but it's this. What Jesus has done for us is he has carried the cross that I could not lift so that I might carry the cross that I must not neglect. I want to say that one more time. Jesus carried the cross that I could not lift and that you could not lift so that we could carry the cross that we must not neglect. He always intended for us to pick up a cross. It's not the ultimate cross to pay for our sins and to reconcile us to God, which none of us can do on our own, but His kingdom comes with a cost. He tells us to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There is an old way of living and there's old mentalities in our life that need to die so that we can truly live. He died to be risen again, so that we may die and rise to a whole new life in Christ. And so he goes on to say in verse 35, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels, that's the good news, will save it. He says, the good news I am sharing with you is worth giving your life up for. He says, I am worth giving your life up for. I'm a good king. And the good news is my kingdom is available to you. You can come let me be the ruler of your life. You can surrender your old way of living. That's gonna mean some things might need to die. In fact, they're gonna have to die. But it's worth it because then you'll truly live. Verse 36, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in return for his soul? Friends, I want to encourage you as followers of Jesus. Let's consider what it might mean today to pick up my cross today and follow Him. What is it that maybe needs to die in my life? That my Savior Jesus is more than willing to help that thing to die. By His grace, He will crucify the things that are leading to my death so that I might be alive in Christ. What's the path to get there? Living with the mentality of a servant. Not what can I get out of this life, but how can I serve Jesus and love others? Friends, if we set our hearts to serve him and love others, then very quickly, the things in our life that are opposed to that will make themselves clear. And then we have an opportunity to say, Jesus, will you help that thing to die in me so that I might truly live? Friends, I'm praying for you. I'm believing that God is refining each of us more and more every day into his image, into his likeness. He's a good king. His kingdom brings good news. May may we be willing to take up the cross that he calls us to so that we might truly live. Bless you, friends. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.